previously on 94 Chill, the podcast. Hello, it's your host, Russ Stevens, for 94 Chill, the podcast. To set the mood for this episode, I ended up doing some inadvertent promotion of it uh, last week. Based on a comment from an old friend from the Peoria wrestling scene, I think a generally good guy overall, Chris Ballard, a.k.a. Chris Hazard. But he is the type who does like to rile us quote-unquote marks up. I just thought it kind of places us in the right mood for the show. His comment was, Bret Hart sucked. He had the charisma of a dead cat. His time at the top coincided with the worst ratings in decades. Bret Hart sucked. As I said, marks. You know, honestly, there's no shame in it, as long as you don't try to be too smart about it. And maybe this is the entire problem with the conversation, or the comment. Obviously now, who cares about ratings? Well, especially in the 90s when wrestling was your top cable draw anyhow, and it wasn't until 95 did you they really matter. So, I digress. My response to this was Kevin Nash and Shawn Michaels when Shawn Michaels wanted to work, time on top coincided with the worst ratings. Hart was the semi-main who could at least make you consider the shit show that would close out. He was the best technician with a character. His character was closer to an actual zen warrior smacking samurai asshole. For those who came from shoot combat, he seemed the most authentic. Hart could make anyone look like a contender in blood sport. Mid-90s super heavyweights were just the sumo guy, except they never faced Frank Dukes. To which Chris responded, That's a lot of words to say Bret Hart sucked. Little hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. For over 400 years, they've developed their own mysterious traditions. For over 400 years, they've had a strict code of honor and unparalleled standards of respect. For over 400 years, they have terrorized the streets of Japan. Now, they want to control the city of Los Angeles. Determined to leave their mark in blood. Sorry to interrupt this podcast, but I just want to make sure I clarify one thing. I think I've mispronounced this actor's name several times. He's a legendary Japanese-American actor, starred in movies like Mortal Kombat, Rising Sun, Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton version. One of the good things about that. And The Man at the Iron Fest 2, also the Tekken franchise. The actor's name is Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa. I think I nail it in this podcast, but no guarantees, so apologies all around. Now available on video cassette. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite. 
a kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's <laughs> super agent, Frank Dukes, can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop him. An awesome human weapon. the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop now. Thank you. To enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules. No press. Are you telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique, I... clash in savage combat. Separate the men from the boys. And only one will triumph. Now I will break you. International martial arts sensation, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And blood sport. The true story of the ultimate champion. I feel like the Joker was written as a totally different movie at first. Oh, I'm sure they wanted to try basically making it a uh, prequel, you know, maybe even explain Heath Ledger. I, I, I don't know. I, I really, I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't, I think it's kind of overrated. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is excellent in it. Uh, De Niro's great. Yeah. It's not that good. You are right. Like yeah. it, it's good at first. Then you watch it a second time. It's like, Oh, what was so great about this in the first place? It's still all right, though. I I like King of Comedy a little bit better. Oh yeah, yeah. I haven't uh, I haven't gotten around the King of Comedy. That's definitely been on the queue though, and even the shots by uh, Phillips, you know, it's uh definitely I think really walked that line, just wanting to be darker than King of Comedy. But as you said, your girlfriend watches the uh, murder porn, dare I say? And uh, we were just having a conversation at work today where we're talking about ranking Tarantino movies and we get a coworker, say 25 years old, just goes and said, Oh, I, I can't watch movie with movies with you guys. You watch weird stuff as she's watching murder porn <laughs> on her phone. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a interesting world that we live in, but uh, that said, uh, welcome to 90 for chill.com the podcast i am your host cool movies darth is the handle i'm trying to get over that's cm darth on letterboxd and you can just call me russ stevens i'm sure you've been doing that the last 26 episodes and this week uh, i have my guest uh gregory carl thanks for uh taking the opportunity to come on the show oh thanks for having me any opportunity to talk with you like you uh, mentioned me the movies that we were going to talk about and like, oh yeah, this guy knows exactly what I like. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you mentioned Van Damme and it's uh, like, I don't know. I can't really say I've, uh, I mean, I kind of fell off on him uh, after probably, I didn't really pay attention, I guess, after uh, Double Team, which is a film I do need to give a shot. I mean, Mickey Rourke is always intriguing. I, I like most people. I think I didn't really pay much attention to Van Damme again until uh, JCVD. 
I haven't seen JCVD yet. Uh-huh. We just kind of started uh, doing podcasts. Me and my buddy Seth Bates. Uh, he's a huge Van Dam fan. It actually, it's actually a John Claude Van Dam and uh, Rob Van Dam show. Uh, we call it Van Dam. It. We're just kind of recording episodes now. I'm trying to learn production, trying to make it not suck so bad. But it's kind of I got three kids running around, so it's kind of hard to find the time and oh yeah patience w- to figure all that out. Yeah, I would imagine that. Uh, my cats they're pretty uh, chill. Got an old 13 year old and uh, uh, the little brat that uh, I have custody of at this time. Uh, it's my ex's cat. Uh, he uh, she moved in with. Uh, someone who already had a cat and of course they happen to be the son of the head of the uh condo complex so he can't break the rules so yeah <laughs> so, yeah i know how that goes cats are way easier i do envy you <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's been a lot of fun watching rewatching these movies because a lot of them i actually haven't seen since i was a kid Mm-hmm. and that they are a lot of fun to rewatch. we're about like four or five episodes in i'm trying to talk him into doing a rob van dam episode finally but he just kind of refuses to do a, anything regarding ecw because he can't stand the bill alfonso and the whistle oh come on baby <laughs> i know that's what i'm saying like we're not doing we're not trying to revisionist history yeah we're not the wwe no no I mean, those are some of the greatest matches he ever had I mean, you never had a bad one. Well, uh, well, I can't say you ever had a bad one with Jerry Lynn. Just, um, yeah, didn't appreciate uh, the Scotty Anton angle, but um, yeah, I haven't. I don't remember Scotty Anton. I oh, Scotty, Scotty, familiar. Scotty Riggs was what he was best known as. Oh, okay, you know, okay. Yeah. yeah. So, but that was the birth of the Van Terminator eventually, and yeah, the Van Terminator, the uh, coast to coast. So yeah, I actually uh, trained under uh, Danny Daniels up in, uh, well, we trained in Davenport. We did the shows in Chicagoland. I've yet to run into Rob Van Dam uh, in my tra- in my travels, but uh, basically I came from the same uh, instructor of Seth Rollins, so. Right on. Yeah, just. Uh, That's cool. Yeah, just, uh, you know, uh, depression and funding a heroin addiction that wasn't mine. <laughs> just <laughs> led, led to too much uh just a lot of uh just yeah a, my just co-host was into the same stuff minus the pro wrestling mm. ah. that's a i i didn't fool around with it too much but it's yeah i mean yeah, that's uh actually part of the, the idea of the show was that maybe we become better people after go studying their work a little bit because i john claude a lot of his films do kind of have a genuine i have a theme of like perseverance and whatnot oh i still tear up at the end of lionheart oh yeah that's gonna actually gonna be our next movie all right next one we're doing his favorite movie actually i don't know if i've ever seen it from beginning to end yeah it's a it's a it's a good one i mean it's it's a fun one it's kind of blood sport light which is uh i guess brings us to the theme of this episode is what I call the uh, greatest DVD combination that I ever purchased, which was Bloodsport and Showdown in Little Tokyo. Yeah, that is, that's a dope combo. Yeah. 
I think the I think the I think since it was a weird weird and probably limited run because it was an MGM movie with um, Bloodsport and uh, Warner Brothers flick with uh, Showdown, and I think they eventually the easy double pack to find now is probably Time Cop and Bloodsport. And Time Cop's good, but I think that was like the end of the Renaissance for Van Damme. Yeah, it was definitely close to it. So with uh, these movies, and I guess I'm, you know, bringing up the uh, heroin era of my life, uh, I've ended up probably purchasing three times. Um, the first time I had to go and pawn some stuff off. Those movies were just around at the time. Then I found the Devil Pack, and then eventually, you know, did digital. I wanted to really see uh, Showdown in full widescreen, and. Uh, ended up purchasing them all again on iTunes. So not as many times as I've repurchased Star Wars movies, but it's getting up there. So here's hoping I can keep my TVs running and don't need to make that 8K jump. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you there, man. I think Showdown, I remember I have vague memories of as a kid before I finally watched it all the way through. I watched it a couple of days ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, I uh, rewatched it last night. Uh, Bloodsport a couple nights ago. Uh, GI Joe the movie actually from 1987, the animated film. Um, but yeah, no, nah, no, really. Um, <laughs> I, I I only really enjoy it just because this is where you need to take the live action movies, give um, Dwayne Johnson some organic super soldiers to fight against. And yeah so and uh i don't know we'll probably skip giving sergeant Sl- i'd say stop skip bringing sergeant slaughter in and definitely no to the full head of hair that his character has in as sergeant <laughs> slaughter in gi joe the movie but, uh, i'm not gonna judge it. i've been falling asleep watching an old tournament anime called baki the grappler so um i i really only saw the ova maybe i anime for me my time was the uh, n- late 90s i was uh in high school mowing mowing my lawn parents lawn getting 25 bucks and then spending it on a single hour vhs tape of some anime oh yeah i remember those days i'm not really into it now just every so often one will catch my attention and i'll what well, uh i'll start watching it like a baki i think netflix bought it and they started doing new ones yeah and i caught those and they were pretty decent they're just ridiculous you know tournament anime yeah you don't have to pay much attention to it there's there's cool gore it's mm-hmm. yeah what more do you want in 20 minutes oh i hear you there it's just i guess it's just become way too easy i think to access anime i just it's almost like i missed the challenge of finding the tapes yeah well a lot of it's so terrible now too like they really lost me when everything involved power levels well i i think that's probably solely a stateside thing uh dragon ball z was the biggest thing out of toonami so i mean that was the half hour i mean i was never a dragon ball fan i just found the storytelling to be ridiculous for the most part um like planet namek is about to explode in 30 seconds and we'll come back next week and at, <laughs> yeah. the, 
And at the end of that episode, Planet Namek is going to blow up in 15 seconds. Like, yeah, I know time's relative, but I never was either. I'd more like the feature film kind of stuff. Like, I like Ghost in the Shell, Appleseed, and oh, all Mas- that kind of stuff. I think, well, I think both those were Masumi Shiro, but now I'm just getting nerdy. Um, yeah, yeah, go- true. yeah. Uh, so I guess just because we mentioned uh, Ghost in the Shell, did you see the uh, Scarlett Johansson film? Uh, I. I I think I tried not to think about it. I think I tried watching it several times. I just I couldn't do it. Something about CGI always rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, I could totally totally understand that. Um, it's great if you're building worlds. It's um, but if you're trying to bring it in a contemporary setting, uh, the not so distant future, uh, we're just it's not gonna just not gonna fit yet my opinion um i mean we're doing good things with de-aging now that's about all i really can say for that uh practical is well you said you're a horror fan so i mean you obviously understand how important practical is oh yeah yeah I, it's amazing what they can do they're just angles and makeup man it's and nuts i can never do that shit the cgi like you just always know that it's fake like there's never you never question it for a second you just know well that's why i'm saying like it i think it's fine in star wars because it it, as i say it's an entire different world um but yeah you can definitely if it's you're not in that world you're definitely seeing where it's placed and such and actors are getting better with it, but they're still just following tennis balls. So, I mean, mocaps really helped out. I mean, it's it, it'll get there, but I think the biggest problem with uh, CG is that it's uh, so easy to access. And I, for this podcast, I've watched a lot of campy stuff, and you get horror movies that want to use that decide, oh, a will horror or action movies that want to use CG. I shouldn't be too harsh. Phantasm Five is guilty of this, <laughs> not actually having bullets fire. They and squibs. Well, they might have squibs, but no, it's all muzzle flare and sound fully instead of actual blanks. I've seen movies where and somebody goes through a pane of glass and you see the CG glass break, but you definitely see the glass behind it. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that's that's the biggest problem with CG. But fortunately, we are talking about a couple of movies uh, way before that time, or most prosthetic thing you get in uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo is a cut-off finger. Uh, and, oh, uh, yeah. The uh, head. Yeah, the head. The head. I, the funny thing with uh, Showdown in, in Little Tokyo really is, and I guess this is a big drug scare that they were doing, um, say, in junior high, 91-ish, 90 my older sister was going through dare at that time. And I guess they ran a video about ice and, you know, ice is crystal meth and how it was going to come from Asia and take over. And it's like, I mean, white people ruin all the drugs, man. Like (laughs) we really do. I mean, well, no um, crack is for the minorities, but I really need that extra juice. So (laughs) we create meth. (laughs) So it's just, um, I got a kick out of that giant meth pipe 
that that one lady was smoking out oh she got murdered in that yeah big, big dumb pipe <laughs> right and it, it's and how re- it was all just coming down conveyor belts too just in big chunks right i know no like i'm not i'm not i'm not advocating the use of meth but oh no of course not but with how they were producing it and such you know you, like i mean at least it's kind of controlled i mean i <laughs> It's better than uh, uh, seeing a police tape on my uh, neighbor downstairs because oh, they had a meth lab and he was on probation. Like, yeah, I mean that lady would have been fine if she just wasn't talking on the phone. Well, true. Yeah, the as I mean, meth didn't kill her. You know, it was her mouth that got her killed. Yeah. Well, I'm not. As I say, I'm not pitching that. I'm just more of just saying, like, I'd rather the yakuza with such nice Japanese production that scared us into um, stepping up for maybe a gent, you know, ten years technology wise. Yeah. Hey, getting beheaded by Shang Tsung is a pretty metal way to go. That is true. That is true. So with the. Showdown in Little Tokyo. Then um, I was just doing writing down some notes. I think it could technically be in the same universe as Bloodsport, actually, because uh, the first boss in the movie, who always screw up his name, uh, Carrie Haruyuki Tagawa, I think. I mean, I'll, I will definitely have to put that correction in at some point. Was that uh, the guy from a Ninja Turtles? No, no. Uh, I I can't immediately pull up his name, but no, uh, no, Shang Tsung. So he's oh oh okay, yeah. that guy. Okay, yeah. I thought you were talking about the other, like his underboss. No, no, no. I, I mean, he's been in so um, uh, Carrie had been in so many movies I've seen after Mortal Kombat. Like I didn't see Showdown, oh, yes. Showdown in Little Tokyo probably till the early uh, early aughts, and that was just after I saw Rapid Fire, and I was kind of looking to find the rest of Brandon Lee's filmography, which I have possessed at one point, um, including laser mission where he's a, his first film where he's a spy trying to save a Russian Ernest Borgnine. I almost watched that movie the other night, actually. Well, let, uh, I know I did see the riff tracks of that as well on uh amazon prime so that's uh i don't know if it's still there but that would be your uh mike nelson and the two guys who voiced voiced the robots at the uh end of the original mystery science theater 3000 run just yeah. doing their thing so. yeah i've seen a few of those mm-hmm. but uh, dolph lundgren i got kicked out of in this movie oh i mean this is it's a uh i honestly kind of wonder why it, why it was Van Damme who ended up getting all these leading roles and not Lundgren. I mean, yeah, he did uh masters of the universe right after Rocky uh, four, which like, okay. Yeah. We shouldn't have really stock. Wasn't really that high on him. Yeah. It really wasn't for summary. He had a lot of straight uh, video stuff that I remember watching growing up. He wasn't in a whole lot of real big things, but I always kind of liked it. Was it, Maybe because his command of English wasn't like, oh, I, the greatest still at the times. I know it took him a lot of tries in Masters of the Universe. Well, maybe back in '87, but he's like, I've got uh, just as a visual going on right now. I've got Universal Soldier running on mute, 
And I would say he had a better control of the language than Van Damme ever did. Yeah. And he was definitely more in the mold of, uh, you know, a Schwarzenegger. I mean, he wasn't Schwarzenegger size, but, you know, you match Van Damme up against Lundgren. It's like not as extreme, but it's like the Jet Li Lundgren fight from the Expendables. Yeah, I think Van Damme kind of got smaller with time. Like he never really focused on size. He was more into the flexibility. Oh. So I mean, Van Damme wouldn't be shit if not for the splits. If he couldn't do the splits, like, no one would give a shit about him. I mean, let's be honest. It was the splits that put him over the top. Well, I, I got to think back because I did did go and take my uh, ex up to Chicago to see Mystery Science Theater 3000 live. Uh, the movie they did was No Surrender, No Retreat, which is uh, Van Damme's first official movie. Yep, so it's no no dialogue, and it's just a... He's the Russian. I can't recall if he... Act, <laughs> I can't actually recall if he got to do the splits in that one. No, so, he didn't. That movie is so much fun, though. Oh, It's that, so dumb. It's definitely one I, one I definitely appreciated seeing with Jill Hodgson and the bots just riffing over it, though. Oh, I'm sure. Like I, I still want to do the thing with the sandbags. I want to. I want to hang the sand sandbags and just let the eight year old go nuts. That shit just looked fun. Like a lot of that training just looked like my eight year old playing. Yeah, it's just one of those. I I mean, you could pr- yeah let him play with it, but I wouldn't show him the movie. I mean, it's <laughs> just the bastardization of Bruce Lee in that one is just. Yeah, it's. <laughs> It's pretty awful. Yeah. But as they say, with the Bloodsport and Showdown Live Tokyo being the same universe, it goes to the, uh, I guess you'd call them the bookie and Bloodsport. You know, how you doing, Dukes? Yeah. Good. Dukes, my man. And I am sorry for my Asian audience right there. And then he shows up as the first boss before the one who gets fails to give in to inevitability and we just find that crushing he ends up being tanaka the original owner of the bonsai club and host of the uh, underground fighting you know maybe he got over from hong kong after the kumite i mean there had been 11 years in continuity at least it's possible yeah i'd buy it mm-hmm but definitely Showdown and Bloodsport, two different movies besides that. Bloodsport is a it's a movie that's had a lot of impact in any kind of uh, combat situation. While uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo, it gives you all the stunts you couldn't get in a movie like Bloodsport. I mean, it's the realism is thrown out the window. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Showdown's just straight out ridiculous. Mm. Which but, is part of its charm. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's directed by Mark L. Lester, whose most famous film is Commando. It explains why I think only one... Well, it's the same fight every time in a Mark L. Lester movie, except for this... Uh, that director's kind of become... Trying to fill in the footsteps for uh, Roger Corman when he finally uh, leaves this world. And uh, I did see a movie for him I reviewed on a podcast episode called Groupie, which was a, um, 
I don't know why he directed it because he doesn't do much. But it's uh, basically a crazy chick movie inspired by the Great White Band Fire. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's fairly recent then. 2015, so still six, oh. years, still, still six years removed from the uh, fire. I mean... Oh, shit. I didn't think he was still making movies anything that recent. Yep. So, well, as I say, he doesn't usually direct. He's, uh, I think you could see his name attached to a bunch of asylum films if you are familiar with that studio. I mean, somewhat. I just don't, I just watched a movie of his called A Class of 84. 84. Yes. Uh, Michael J. Fox is actually in that one. Yeah. I have yeah. not, I haven't seen that one, but, uh, I have seen, uh, he did a movie with uh, Mark Dacascos, who I'm surprised stock is still middling. Mark Dacascos from Only the Strong, I think, is his uh, finest work. But, well, his finest work is John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. He's the, uh, he's uh, plays Zero, the assassin who's pretty much in charge of assassinating john wick okay i haven't seen part three yet. oh oh have you were you a fan of one and two? Oh yeah i've seen one and two i just haven't gotten to three this whole past year i've been you know pregnant baby and you know oh, all that kind of stuff yeah yeah i understand um i understand that i've missed a lot of things but i kind of i don't like a lot of new things though. like we were talking before they're just it's too long like once i see like a three hour runtime i'm already kind of checked out well you see i i kind of i'm kind of miffed at uh, john wick because it's one out the original is one hour 41 minutes and it's like oh you would have cut two minutes off i could have done it on the podcast and then i would have an excuse to do two and three because i think if a movie does great with 90 minutes then well, you got to expand on everything. So I don't mind it going, you know, by the end of jo- chapter three, it's two hours, 15 minutes. And it's like, yeah, but it keeps getting be- bigger and grander. I can accept that. And the most recent thing with Van Damme that I saw is the uh, Kickboxer uh, reboot. I think the first one, Kickboxer Resurgence, which I don't know why they gave that title since the reboot where Van Damme basically plays the uh, plays the teacher. That movie was pretty good. Ends with a fight with Dave Batista. So just before Batista really skyrocketed, and then uh, this, they did a sequel, which a lot longer, a lot more uh, contrived. I mean, I kind of dug the Kickboxer franchise. I wasn't really overly really a big fan of the first one. Uh, Mark Tataskos actually is the one who's in the fifth one as the kickboxer. Yeah. They did a sequel, Vengeance. And as I say, it's really convoluted. Mike Tyson is in prison with our hero, (laughs) kind of teaching him things. A lot of MMA guys. Christopher Lambert is the uh, boss, the big fighter replacing Tong Po. Tong Po Po is uh, portrayed by the mountain from Game of Thrones. (laughs) Oh shit! Yeah, I can't wait till we work our way up to that one. Oh, I, I did. Yeah. I did like the Kickboxer franchise too, growing up. I, I just I loved martial arts movies growing up, like Best of the Best and uh, 
Smack. Kickboxer. I like the old Shokasuki ninja movies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I ninja, all ninja, that stuff. Ninja, I, I didn't really, get into horror till later. No, I, I didn't either. Uh, I was raised pretty... Uh, I can't say my parents were puritanical or anything. I was just the essentially the older child, oldest child. My older sister, she she does great and everything. Genius level IQ. She's just socially awkward. She has Asperger's disorder, so it's not her thing to be normal. Yeah. So, and not not that there's a problem with that. I'd rather be weird than normal. At least that's what I put on my dating profiles and. I don't really ever see that as a re- as a corresponding answer, but uh, <laughs> basically, my parents would follow the MPAA as they had more kids. I had uh, have a little sister and a little brother. They got more lenient, and really, by the nineties, my dad's not a big movie goer anyhow. So it was my mom would want to see a movie like Interview with the Vampire or Judge Dread. So she didn't want to go alone. So. I got to tag along for those R-rated movies. Right on. So, but uh, when it came to horror... she had good taste. Oh, well, Judge Dredd 95 is... Yeah, but I mean, we all were hoping that would be good. Uh, Well, yeah, but uh, I mean... She didn't know. (laughs) Well, she was there for Amanda Sante, so... Okay, that's fair. um, As uh, Rico. I didn't come... Didn't get into horror, really. Uh... One, I was scared of gremlins for 25 years. Uh, <laughs> well, no, probably, really? only, yeah, but uh, eventually got over that. And that's like one of the greatest uh, satires of all time. But watching the old IFC on cable, where you actually get uh, where it was all about independent film, I saw a documentary on Dario Argento, the Italian director. Uh, re- pretty much responsible for get making sure we'd have Dawn of the Dead, uh, nineteen seventy eight, and you know then then there was a real fascination with the stuff. So needless to say, as we were talk chatting before the uh, podcast on Facebook Messenger, I'm not a, not really that I'm not totally adept to all the slashers. Seen Halloween, seen Nightmare, haven't seen that many of the sequels. Yeah, I was never a huge slasher guy either. Uh, we, me and uh, man, my co-host just watched a movie from Fun called Pieces. I think it was an Italian movie. It definitely I, I took from it. I think oh, it's, with the black gloves and the. I, I think it's Spanish. Actually, I have seen Pieces. That is, and so, like, that's where you kind of have to worry about. Hmm, am I actually twisted? with some yeah. of those uh some of those scenes i mean me i was kind of like well this this should be fun but i'm i'm taken out of it when you have a 1948 flashback and you see a pennant on the little kid's wall that says uh boston patriots <laughs> no 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 no, yeah. no 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 boston patriots didn't happen until 1960 so i'm out <laughs> Uh, See, that helped. I didn't. I'm not a baseball guy, so well. Uh, I was <laughs> the Patriots were the they're now the New England Patriots, so it's a football football reference. Oh, see, um, you see my well, my my dad's from Buffalo, New York, and my family still holds the holds original season tickets to the Bills. So right on, yeah. So I know all that, 
So yeah, but pieces is a. I mean, you know, as I say, that's more of just me being a nerd, and not really the movie's fault. It's a. It's I, a goofy, fun movie. Yeah, well, and I, kind of right. I mean, I appreciate a you know good bladder release. You know, before they know they're going to get it. So that's the, that's the kind of stuff I worry about. Like, eh, I worry about myself. You know. Yeah, I like Korean horror a lot. Uh, I've really a lot of that. I've really only seen um, I saw the Devil, which was excellent. Um, One of my favorites and Old Boy. Um, I do have sympathy for Mister Vengeance in my queue, as in I found a copy for cheap and just never opened it. (laughs) Uh, Itchy the Killer is pretty bizarre. If you've never seen it, oh, I've got a, I've got myself a good uh, Takashi Miike. Film, film film collection uh right on that are alive uh crow zero sukiyaki western django the japanese i mean he he just does so much weird stuff i'm still not quite ready for uh visitor q that one seems a little too twisted but then again yeah. this guy will direct children's movies too i mean i think he ended up directing 100 movies in over 20 years so no shit. Yeah, I have to get into him a little more. Uh, audition. That is really where it's at when it comes to that's Mikay's masterpiece. I have to remember that. Now, yeah. I am a big. Yeah, I've, I've never been a huge director guy. I after a while, like I'll, I'll see so many movies and I'll notice, oh, that guy, that guy directed like five movies that I loved, and uh, his name will finally be logged in my brain. Right. I don't know when I really got into the director portion. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was uh, transitioning from wrestling in my 20s to struggling screenwriter in my 30s. And now we're into podcasting for the 40s. Yeah. Yeah. I tried my hand at stand up comedy and now I'm just trying to do figure out podcasting. Yep. Uh, well, I was fortunate enough, uh, had returned to. ICC in uh, East Peoria for a uh, to try getting into screenwriting and the only path I could really see otherwise was just taking a bunch of uh, mass media courses and when I did my podcast for Spaceballs originally with uh, Jessica Quaz from Second Chance Movies uh, she um, said so are you just using Audacity and it's like okay that was a program I was using 15 years ago is it still good so the answer is yes. And thank God that's what I'm using now. Right. Just I don't uh, know but, any better. Yeah. Well, it's free. I mean, we can't speak highly enough of the platform. And I haven't had any. Uh, what happened with that episode was I usually, as you heard, you know, the podcast, this meeting is now being recorded. I usually just go and convert the audio from this into so you need so you, i'll uh there's a program you can download that converts this file into mp3 and then you can play around with audacity on it so you could do zoom recordings uh, our mistake was i thought she thought i was going to record so i'm recording this on on both audacity and the zoom conversation i didn't know i was supposed to record it on audacity so <laughs> um Oops. yeah so but i uh, took whatever i could from that uh from her side of the audio and i think we uh came up with something 
decent, at least expressing her love for Mel Brooks and uh, the Star Wars franchise in general. Yeah, I just listened to your uh, the Spiral episode. You oh, did. yeah, just dropped today, actually. Oh, is that? I didn't realize well, that. Was, it, I knew. It, yeah, it dropped. Well, the uh, no, that was my lunchtime. Went over to uh, Best Buy uh, and uh, picked up spot this. If I figured if they had the steel book, I saw, as I said on the podcast, I saw Spiral like the last show they had in Champagne. So, yeah, picked up my steel book and then ended up picking up a uh, higher end microphone for the podcast because. At some point, um, right now, at least the plans going to uh, Wizard World up in Chicago in October. So I figured, well, you can definitely find people who are wanting to record a podcast. So I better use the Zoom uh, oh, podcast, yeah. podcast recorder as well. So finally got myself an XLR mic for that one. And otherwise, it's all still a lot of jerry rigging. Yeah. Oh, man, I miss a good convention. I'm jealous now yeah that'd be a good time oh the best was i mean of course it was the end of the world afterwards was uh c2e2 chicago comic and entertainment expo 2020 which was on the leap year weekend and that was uh the aew revolution pay-per-view so obviously my Uh i was really more concerned about getting a ticket for that (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah it's uh they're they're coming back slow, uh, slowly but surely. I mean, well, we'll find out uh, with the Delta variant how that shapes up. Oh yeah, I don't think anyone cares anymore. Honestly, it's not the for me. It's not the point. But I'm a very as um I think they said it. You know. I I admire a lot of the messaging in uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo. I mean, Tia Karar, it's great to see her singing in another movie. I mean, it's great that it was beyond Wayne's World. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, she had a great little speech, which I think is uh, just good for action movies and action heroes in general. Is like, you know, you do the right thing because it's the right thing. I don't know. Then, then it gets all messed up with that uh, Brandon Lee talking about seeing Dolph Lundgren's uh, anatomy. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I didn't really want to jump into that, but I'm really kind of thinking... Uh, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I, I'm thinking uh, he's kind of on the Metro side, the very least. Maybe... I mean, yeah. it's early acting for, for Brandon Lee still. It's only his uh, second movie. So, well, to be fair, like as he tries to be funny, like the entire movie. Oh, that's, it's that's like I'm not landing. I'm not landing. Like, all right, talk about his dick. Work blue now. Yes. No. It's uh. It takes the. So it it basically, and this might be the biggest critique you could have against the movie. I mean, besides for the jumping over the car with the sidekick. I mean, Dolph, <laughs> yeah. as as they pointed out in the movie, uh, the first time they meet each other. You know, all that upper body weight makes you slow. Yeah. I'm not slow. Well, you didn't hit me. Well, if I hit you, you wouldn't be here. I did, I'm not arguing. But you didn't hit me. Um, I mean, there's some great dialogue. I mean, it's not him trying to act blue. I, I just think, like, I don't know. I think there may have been something in the character that they wanted to worship Dolph Lundgren by the end. Or it's a 
or it's a little nod to our uh, more lib uh, uh, open-minded friends. But it's just odd. They're about to kill a bunch of bad guys, and it's yeah. like, hey, let's comment on your dick yeah. real quick. Yeah. Your dick uh, is huge, by the way. You're right, Love you, buddy. Yeah. Um. Well, I don't know. Maybe if I was in, like, I don't know. I've been in locker rooms. Oh, jeez. You know, since I was thir- uh, 12 years old, and it's like, just look people in the eye. Do not look down. Look people in the eye. Uh, so I have no concept of size. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh. All I can say is if I'm watching porn, it's basically, well, you know, not really, I guess I would say I'm not really in the racial stuff. Just I can't relate to the, uh, to the tools in that one. That's all I'll say there. Fair enough. I'm not a size guy by any stretch of the imagination. Well, it is because it does lend to, he had to have just been sitting in his room watching them the entire time. And that's creepy. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't even think about that. I'm just saying, I think he may have been more interested. As I say, it's either hero worship or a homosexual awakening. <laughs> Probably was. Either way, that Dolph Lundgren acting Asian is just beyond cheesy. Just uh, Well, I think that's a finer point, though, when it comes to uh, Lundgren films and Van Damme films. I think the best ones uh, come up with an excuse for his accent. So as I say, I got Universal Soldier just running in the background right now. But, uh, you know, they bring up our female reporter character brings up, well, you're from Louisiana, so that must be the accent. And then you look at Hard Target, where he's playing a Creole uh, wanderer. And in, and, and back to Bloodsport, his parents are immigrants. So, yeah, I think that's just... Uh, and yeah, but I, that could have been a lie. I mean, do you ever look into Frank Dukes? Everything that man says is probably a lie. All right. I, I have seen an interview with Frank Dukes with uh, MMA commentating legend Michael Chavella. Actually, I take this from another commentator, Joey Siles, when he was uh, asked by Steve Austin about New Jack and what's real, what's not with New Jack. And Joey Styles answered, uh, listen to everything and only believe half of it. So... If New Jack says he's killed four people, justifiable homicides, that means he's at least killed two. Yeah, I believe that. So, and and I think the story has changed with New Jack. I think he left with a clear conscience, but really leaned into his robberies and such by the end of his life. Hey, God bless. Yes. Um, keep thinking about calling this podcast hosted by Colt Cabana called Wrestling Anonymous. And asking, what do you think about Schadenfreude? Because I have a story. So I'm two months into wrestling. Uh, it was a promotion called uh, Next Generation Wrestling in Peoria. Uh, this is before I hooked up with Danny Daniels. So really getting an understanding of the business. Uh, so our promotion, we got a guy who was conning basically to get some control in the promotion. He was conning us into it association with thunder wrestling federation in uh, new brunswick georgia so we were thunder wrestling federation north they were thunder wrestling federation south 
they came up to do a show in December 2002. So we went to do their New Year's show in 2003. And so this leaves me two months into the business. And as I say, this is a promotion where I was telling my friends when I signed, when I joined them, I think I can get, I can debut in two weeks. I did not debut in two weeks. It was three. (laughs) So needless to say, it was a far, far cry from what I would eventually learn. So we're doing this show in uh, New Brunswick, Georgia. Closest city is Jacksonville. And in this match, I get drop kick, double drop. So, I mean, there's a lot of drama behind it. I was supposed to be wrestling this one guy and then this tag team, they didn't know that was going to show show up or not, showed up and they just teamed me and that guy together. I get tagged into the match. I take a double, they whip me off, they give me a double drop kick and then they land on me during the kick. So I get knocked out. You can see me go unconscious. They cover me, one, two, smart enough to pull me up, roll me to my corner, tag in, uh, have me tag out. And I regain consciousness on the apron, get into the ring on the next tag, throw a couple forearms, and then just arms drop, concussed stare. And then they, well, I got back in the ring. It's my fault. So I end up getting at least a kendo stick shot. I get smacked with uh, the idiot's guide, complete idiot's guide, the professional wrestling, which was my prop. I get a spine busted on the floor. So... That's the only time I've ever time traveled, and I've been knocked out by a UFC fighter. So Thunder Wrestling Federation, though, is where New Jack did a show and thought a kid was working a little stiff with him, stabbed him nine times. I'm kind of thinking, yeah, go New Jack on that one. (laughs) So that's my wrestling schadenfreude story, and... Yeah, I can't really feel too bad for that. Those guys, the kick, the guy didn't die. <laughs> yeah, you kind of at that point, like you know who you're dealing with. Yeah, smack. Act right for smack sake. He will kill you. Yep. So. Yeah, I always had mad respect for New Jack. As much people talk shit, talk shit about him, I always kind of felt like, well, I mean. If you know anything about the world of professional, I've never personally been involved with it, but I've heard the stories over the years. And it's like, well, I mean, they surely they knew who they were dealing with. They shouldn't have been a smacking dipshit. Well, you say that, but that's but where again, the... I'm not involved. Well, I just watch YouTube videos and oh, talk shit. Oh yeah, no, I understand. I understand that, and I appreciate that stance. Because uh, I got myself into trouble with a podcast, another podcast. I had a guest on this show, talk about the movie Dance of the Dead. Ended up doing two episodes on it. That's how long the conversation went. And then I went and listened to his podcast. First episode was all right. Second podcast, it was the the podcast is called Morbidly Macabre. And I think since I've withdrawn myself from the listening, it may have uh, improved or become less obnoxious primarily one host the guy i had on the podcast mitchell witt the next so they i listened to their first episode about columbine and all right pretty fact-filled showed a lot of empathy towards all the to towards the people maybe a little too understanding of the well as you said a lot of empathy so maybe too understanding to one shooting shooter but i digress 
they made a good case for it. And then they did Chris Benoit, the next one. And I just, um, I don't want to shout at the rate, uh, shout at my podcasting device when I'm listening to a podcast. I, it's not my place to be involved. It was kind of more of me just be, you know, so it's like, it's not like they didn't get the facts about Benoit wrong. It was just that, you know, oh, this is how the business works and stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, it- I don't have to work like that. It's it's yeah. It's so I don't know. Maybe I was more bitter that okay. I did I did he did my podcast. I think it's only fair I do that. Yeah, like if you're gonna do that episode. But I digress. I mean, it's it's a different it's a different world. Um, and I think a lot of the time is it's almost scary to actually criticize somebody that you like, especially in podcasting, because they're not really they're doing it for themselves, uh, for the most part. You know, and I'm not, I'm not going to question, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to create something here, but you know, it's me first. So, but with that said, uh, please give me those five-star reviews on iTunes. That's the only way it helps the algorithm. You want to tell me I'm a piece of garbage. That's at Twitter. That's twitter.com slash cat at cat Russ. Talk all the crap you want there. I do troll the trolls, so I'm used to it. Let's see. Honestly, I'm looking for a transition there. And well, I guess I could uh we could bring up Bloodsport. As they say, that movie has a huge of impact, I think. I knew it had a huge impact on on martial arts. I was studying Taekwondo at the time when that movie came out. That was what everybody was talking about, saying how ridiculous it was. And yeah, I did the math this time around. So the Kumite, if we saw all ten of Chung Lee's fights. That would imply the tournament had 512 fighters. Yeah, the math sounds about right. So in the end credits, when they're talking about how legit uh, Frank Stukes was, he said he retired from the Kumite 329 and 0 from 1975 to 1980. Now, if I listen to the movie right, the tournament's only held. This is where all Frank Duck stuff falls apart. Uh, the tournament is held every five years, so that would mean he'd have to have fought 164 fights per tournament. If it was only two tournaments, if it was five tournaments, it'd be 65 fights each year. Now, as a uh, from my time as a folk style wrestler in high school, uh, junior high, high school, even grade school. Uh, the most matches anybody could wrestle in a day was four. Now, if you do the math, stretch it out, I guess you could do 12 fights in a day. I mean, yes, we had Illinois High School Athletics Association, not the Koroku, Kor, Koroku Kai as our uh, Yeah, you didn't have your body. standing over your wrestling matches in high school. Well, it was triads in blood sport, which... Okay, well, it, it, when you, either when way... You, yeah, well, that interview I saw of Chevello um, with Frank Dukes. Frank Dukes is still do the coin trick. As I say, you believe? I think he's he's a legit badass, but he's he uses that to create all uh, nothing but fiction around him. He just he, he reminds me of like a, an uncle that just tells crazy stories and knows some tricks. Well, he just strikes me as yeah, but. Uh, I mean, did you ever hear what he did, happened to the sword that he supposedly won after the Kumite? Uh, I think that, like, Chevello asked all the questions. Like, 
what how did it so this is what he heard like it's been a while since i watched the interview obviously it was but yeah no i know the tournament was supposed to be in the korean caribbean i mean he changes the facts every time somebody answers a new ask, ask a new question i mean he's a sociopath no no question there and when you claim to be friends with your best friend is steven seagal you're <laughs> that, what happened to that guy yes well maybe his movies were too long i mean i loved mark <laughs> for death but in an hour 50 it's you know oh man what a ridiculous human being that guy turned into yeah i i think i've only seen one of his movies that qualifies for 90 for chill the podcast and that was against the dark which i thought okay this has to be gold it's steven seagal versus vampires you got keith david in a supporting role you got lyndon ashby from mortal Kombat in another Hell supporting yeah. role well those guys like uh, no, it didn't work out. You had the Rock, one of the Rock's cousins, pretty much did all the fighting. No it, shit. Yeah. Then I had the same thoughts with a uh, Black Eagle. It was the third movie we did. It was Van Dam and Chokasugi. Oh. oh no shit! They both are both in the same movie. That's gotta be awesome. It sucks. Oh my god, it is boring. <laughs> it was so disappointing. Well, I wanted to like it so bad. Well, I, I don't know if I can ever really watch a Shokasugi movie when the first one I saw of his is Ninja 3 The Damnation. I mean, yeah. Ninja 3 The Domination. Yeah. I should, I mean, it. I, I apologize to Canon Film Group for saying The Damnation because no, it's, 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 it's okay. I think those guys are dead now. Uh, one of them is, yes. Um, yeah, no, uh, Honestly, I, I can't complain. I can't complain too much about that company. Um, Delta Force. Oh, they had gold. I'm sorry. They had gold, man. Oh, I mean, uh, you talk about Van Dam. You had Bloodsport from those guys, and uh, and Cyborg, Cyborg, which is a horrible. I mean, I don't know. I I can't I can't call it horrible because I love that director, Albert Pion. Um, I mean, his movie. He's not. He wrote that movie under as uh, Kenny Chalmers. Right. He's a um Albert Pione, he's a he he pick he'll he's willing to take on the ridiculous co- premises. Especially and when none of those when his bet his most famous movies are definitely twenty years ahead of uh what we're capable of doing, and he's gonna do it anyhow. He gets a lot out of very little. Yeah, but when you say very little, that's talent, and <laughs> like he's yeah. Um, I mean, I I my favorite one of his movies. I'm still looking for some way to watch it uh, now instead of finding just picking up an old VHS tape. Is called Heat Seeker with uh, Gary Daniels, who I'm a huge fan of his stuff. Um, he he was the Brit. That was the name of his character in The Expendables. Okay. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, I've he was also like it took. I don't know. Like we, there, he was gold, but uh, made for video gold. But uh, very uh, Hollywood is very reluctant putting a very British guy 
in the as a star um so there's a movie he was in called uh firepower the main drawing force is it was ultimate warriors only movie okay yeah i ne- never watched it It it's fun it's but your protagonist is actually one of the lackeys from uh johnny lawrence's gang from uh from the cobra kai was the uh lead actor so okay uh he it wasn't the put him in a body bag guy it was uh i think the first guy daniel sound beats (laughs) but um yeah i haven't i've been thinking about rewatching karate kid just i started watching cobra kai on netflix and i have vague memories of karate kid when i was a child and i barely even remember it well, I only saw the first two Karate Kids, and I haven't. Uh, I don't actually have Netflix right now. I'm more of a movie guy, so I'd rather if I'm going to spend fifteen dollars, I'll do it on HBO Max. Yeah, uh, I hear that. That's. I just watch my girlfriend's account. I barely even watch it. I. Just, I don't know. But Recent things just. I get burned out on. You know, once I once I saw in season three, they brought the Japanese guys back. Like, oh, I'm really missing something. And then on top of that, they bring back Elizabeth Shue. So it is a good like call, like it's just ridiculous enough, and there's enough fan service in it. And it, I'm it, not super familiar with Karate Kid, but there's well, enough I could, that I, I recognize. Could, right, but I can tell you this: it's for the Karate Kid fans, and so and those fans are anywhere. Well, I mean, it's Gen X Prime, so. Anywhere from my age at, you know, 41 to 59. Like, these are the people who watched it. And, uh, well, 59 is probably a little extreme. Eh, not really. It's fun that they don't care about the language now for the most part in that show. <laughs> it's like, no, we know our audience. They grew up with this. This is why the movie's here. Yeah, I really like Johnny's point of view, too. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, the sheer fact that he should have, you know, there should have been a, at least a point penalty taken away on uh, Daniel with that kick instead of a victory declared. Yeah, that that is was a is a major point of contention in the first couple episodes. Yes. It's an illegal kick! <laughs> well, I mean, to clear things up, you can kick somebody in the head. You can't kick somebody in the face. Um, from my time, at least in the uh, competitive martial arts. Huh. So let's see, getting into um, some other little things I picked up about this. So I'll just run. Oh, down. here's a little thing uh, oh, right. on Showdown uh, in England, uh, straight to VHS, you can win a Neo Geo. <laughs> that is probably the, I mean, that's almost, I, that explains why the movie didn't make any money. Like you're gonna give away one Neo Geo? That's probably half of your budget right there. I know, right? So, um, so a showdown. I mean, we got the ridiculous stunts. Uh, basically, it took body, buddy cop comedy to a new extreme because, as we were pointing out, like Brandon Lee's always trying to be on, and like, no, no, let's be human for a few moments, and you never get that between Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, it, 
they had some decent back and forths. Oh no, I, I'm saying there's great, great great bits of dialogue. Oh. I mean, exploring why Japanese culture, man. My dad's a dent. My dad's a white guy. He's a <laughs> dentist. I know malls driving up and down Mahal into my dad's car. <laughs> like, um, like there's, there's, there's plenty. I mean, I'll I'll go and say, besides from the uh, dick measuring contest, I, all the dialogue's gold, especially Yoshida's. You know. Like now you have one hand to wipe your ass with. Do you want to keep it? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it's so good, man. I I loved it. I love yeah. that Smack. movie. But, uh, with that said, I think my biggest problem right now with Showdown in Little Tokyo is where is our with the world of micro brews? Where is the thirtieth? year celebratory batch of red dragon beer if we can't get the beer at least give us the meth yeah i have more movies to watch i'm behind on shit so all right so did the math on um how the mathematically proving frank dukes is regardless if he can kick my ass which well mathematically speaking well, by the sheer number of fights he claims, I would still take a shot. I mean, five. Yeah, he's old. You got a shot? Oh, he's blind in one eye. I know that, but um, no, five five figures. I'll take on about any fight. I'm uh, the only guy I ever really, really thought like, yeah, don't 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 take that chance for glory. Is uh, the wrestler Jake Hager, formerly known as Jack Swagger, like Brock Lesnar? I mean, I know he's six four and uh, two eighty five. For me in high school wrestling, I wrestled up two weight classes for the most part. You know, I'm used to that difference. I'm probably better handling that difference. Jake Hagar being six, probably six eight, two eighty two ninety. If I can't reach the guy's head, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's that's somebody I don't want to fight. <laughs> yeah. But it brings me back to Bloodsport talking about professional wrestling because, and it brings me to um, a wrestler, Colt Cabana, um, who really brought up the fact that, uh, like, he loves the movie and he'll talk about it to no end. I think about a lot of it when he, when um, I took a seminar with him before I uh, was training with Danny Daniels, still faking my way for the business. And he bring up blood sport and then like I'm passing it on to guys like, no, if you're going to sell something, if you're going to make, try to make a move look a lot meaner, immediately think of Chung Lee, the methodical nature of everything the guy does in the movie, cranking a guy's arm, bringing him into a position and then pushing the pressure point. <laughs> it's so methodical. I mean, if anything, and people wanting professional wrestling to be more like it was, that's the stuff you should be watching and taking note of how to make everything just sell more just through facials and such i mean that's one of the uh bolo young as chung lee is just one of the great greatest martial arts performances of all time oh yeah did an awesome in that movie uh who's uh the guy in cake boxer too that guy was freaky 
yeah, I can I remember the guy's name is Tong Po. Uh, yeah. the character name is Tom Po. He was actually not uh, not Thai, if I'm correct. He was uh, one of Van Damme's martial arts friends, and he's actually in Bloodsport. He's the guy who gets uh, Chong Lee breaks the leg of just for kicks. Oh yeah, uh, but I didn't he was that. tall, tall Muay Thai fighter. Yeah, um, yeah. He's just kicking that wall, and he just walks in, and they're just staring at each other briefly, and his, yeah. his face just looks smack. Yep. So, mean. But, uh, fun fact: a uh, kickboxer was uh, called a uh, Karate Tiger Three in Germany. Well, that that makes as much. Uh, well, I guess since it's kickboxing and kickboxing is the universal art, not Muay Thai. I think I've only seen one t- movie called Muay Thai. Anything that was a uh, Muay Thai giant with uh, former professional wrestler Nathan Jones. Huh um he's nathan jones i think is uh just the go go-to guy that uh tony jaw likes to beat up on you know he's undertaker height evil white guy so yeah i haven't seen it seen him for a while yeah uh he's in the new mortal Kombat. if you get around to seeing that okay uh, i did see that yeah very brief he gets uh i mean that's the problem with the new mortal Kombat is that it doesn't really take the tournament fighting too seriously. Oh yeah, that and just that the whole lore is dumb to me. Like that's the, with the tattoos and whatnot. So well, you're telling me like you get a drunk driver can run you over, and now he's an Earth Realm defender all of a sudden. Well, it would explain why we lost nine tournaments in a row. It really does. <laughs> we just got a bunch of people that can't fight and just sucked in all of a sudden. What the smack f- is this shit? Where am I? All of a sudden, Baraka's slicing their head off. Yeah, so I think it may have been Baraka, actually, that Nathan Jones was. Really? Yeah, so, but... Uh, Was he in Snatch? No, that's Vinny Jones. Okay. Uh, No, Nathan Jones, big bald guy. As I say, if you've seen The Protector, he's like the last boss. Yeah, I'd notice him if I saw him. Yeah, so... Uh, another observation about Bloodsport is uh, uh, John Claude Van Damme is basically doing a strip tease the entire f- tournament. Yeah, how to do he, something for the he, ladies? Well, but I'm just saying he's, he starts the <laughs> starts the first day in a full gi, second night of the tournament, first fight. You got that one guy ripping it off the top, and yeah. for the by the third fight, for no reason. Uh, maybe it was to do that split punch, but I don't think he really planned that out to beat the sumo guy. By the third fight, he's in biker shorts. One, if your martial arts requires a gi, which is why I'm not a big MMA guy, it's like, all right, to for this unified rule set, basically fight to cl- as close to naked as you can, except don't pull the guy's hair. Like, that's my problem with MMA. It's like, no, art martial art, it's not supposed to be, uh, well, I guess... I'm a fan of No Holds Barred, not MMA. No Holds Barred is still favors styles. MMA is like, just take this piece, take this piece, fake it, and get get to the end. Yeah. I mean, if I knew MMA would have been, that would have been what uh, MMA was to become, maybe I would have gone into professional wrestling. I would have gone into MMA. Like, oh, I'd no longer have to be the best jujitsu guy or the best Muay Thai guy, I can just combine, take a piece here, take a piece there. 
Yeah, but you'd have to get through those first UFC years and everyone was on roids and just smashing each other. Well, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. You couldn't get through that. It was That was a time, but they hadn't figured out, all you have to do is is take this part, this part. Oh, there's rules now, meaning I can... Yeah. Like, no, a good fight, like in blood sport, a good fight ends in two minutes. Yeah, sounds about right for a real fight. Well, for a real fight, yeah, yeah. You don't get the time to dance around the ring, try to figure out your opponent. Granted, I don't think there's any charm in fight in, in street fighting, hence why I will kick a guy in the balls first thing. It's like, no, we're not gonna be here. <laughs> there's uh I mean, I, I, I try to, as the line from uh, Showdown in Little Tokyo, when uh, Brandon Lee, you know, if you're, all right, if we're going to go any further, we're going to talk about it now, or are you going to go alone? I'll go alone. That's not good enough. That's it, you Zen warrior smacking asshole. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I strive to be, a Zen warrior effing asshole. <laughs> yeah, I'm mostly just a coward. um well there's a uh there's a british comedy series which i adore called red dwarf used to be shown on pbs all the time uh i blame my uh mom for uh exposing us to pbs because not that she exposes to pbs is that pbs would bring in all the british comedy oh it's on pbs it's sophisticated yeah mom i learned the word twat on <laughs> pbs <laughs> red red dwarf's basically a space opera comedy and there's all right we we should go and uh we don't have a choice we got to go and take this no we can just go and we can find a new way around uh one of the characters who's a feli sapien Felis sapien basically after three millions of years of evolution cats have become human there's an old cat saying it's better to live a day as a tiger than a lifetime as a worm. And our coward character responds. And there's an old human saying, who's ever heard of a worm skin rug? <laughs> so, Solid point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was more of a hitchhiker's guy. I never, Red Dwarf is one of those things that's always popped up in my queue. I just never took the time to watch it. Oh, well, and truthfully, I haven't taken the time to watch all of Hitchhiker's Guide. I love the movie, and I know that's kind of a blasphemous statement in several circles. Well, if it wasn't for the movie, I'd have no idea what Hitchhikers was. Well, that's that that's been a common theme actually with the podcast. As I said with the Spiral Podcast, talking to a you know, talking to the only couple that was in the movie theater with me and how the girl and that's why I like the Star Wars sequels. People want to claim their own thing. People get introduced to it and once they get introduced to it, that's theirs. And I can kind of respect that. I guess I should be less brutal towards fans of Twilight and the uh, Hunger Games saga. Uh, oh no you don't they deserve it. no they no 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 i said I, I i guess i should be i didn't say i was but <laughs> all right i mean read a book i no i don't know that that's just total elitism i'm a guy who faked my literature degree uh, i mean yeah no i i that's that's the advantage of having an older sister who's socially 
awkward. You can't talk to people. I get to hear, I'm the only person she talks to. So I get to hear every detail about every book she's ever read and then spin that into a degree. Yeah, to be perfectly honest, uh, there are things in the Hunger Games that is pretty, pretty metal. There are things in Hunger Games I think are really cool. I think well, the world's cool. There's just moments in it that are neat that you lose me with the tween romance stuff. Everything well, have, else is cool to me, man. Yeah, but Twilight had no irredeemable qualities whatsoever. Um, I did do a brief review of Twilight on this podcast. I hated it, but I know what it's doing, and it's sad that it succeeded at what it's doing. As for the Hunger Games, uh, first three movies are all right. Then the fourth movie just gets goes off the rails, and which is weird because that's supposed to be the same book as the third, but I digress. But the problem with the Hunger Games is I've seen Battle Royale. Yeah, that is a problem. Yeah, so you stretch the two... I mean, Battle Royale is a longer movie. Uh, I mean, and I think it's just a thing with culturally. I think, um, as my older sister pointed out, she is the poetic critic on Letterboxd. The poetic critic, all one word. She pointed out that I think at that time in the 80s, like, we had... There were... I think comedies were more likely to run over like you had your high art you had your amadeus but comedies were more likely to run over two hours just because they want to get every joke in like i wouldn't cut a single bit about the blues brothers but that might be illinois bias but it was basically in the 80s we were actually watching music videos and we did not want long form entertainment (laughs) we wanted everything to be no longer than an hour and 45 minutes. And I think the MTV not being as prevalent, actual old cultures in Europe and Japan, China, and all that bollocks, they could sit through about anything. So, but the point still remains with the Hunger Games. Look, if you can't do, if you need four movies to do what, well, that's that's the worst thing about the Thun- uh, Hunger Games is I think it even takes a second Battle Royale into consideration. So, all right, you still need you need twelve hours to do what they did in six. <laughs> There's a problem. Yeah, I think it mostly it, it just comes down to money too. They were making money, so they're going to stretch that out for as long as possible. Well, let's say every that's, cent. Well, that's a gamble I don't see as practical. Like you are immediately like the moment you buy the property you're and you hire the actors for four movies you are like i think i think the tri- i think the uh, franchise stuff all kind of stopped after the uh divergent series ended up like we had enough of it like, oh yeah that was a series wasn't it right and i'd say maybe two three good movie i mean there's only three movies i could say two of them are maybe two of them are worthwhile but it's like there comes a point of diminishing returns like that's a lot of time and money to devote to one idea yeah it's probably 
that has uh, something to do with why uh, Showdown Little Tokyo didn't make as much money as they thought it would. Because it was really at the end of like the buddy cop thing. Um, it was right at the end of that. No, I no, I I could say no, Showdown Little Tokyo didn't make any money because Warner Brothers didn't have any faith in it. Well, yeah, like they they decided they didn't like the movie, and I don't think they did any cuts or anything. They just like we just got to go and we we owe this to um, Mark Lester and his producing co- buddy to get this film released. So we're just going to release it. Uh, I mean, it was the number nine movie of the entire year in Hungary. So like it, it could have, it could have been more 90, but I don't think it's necessarily the end of the buddy cop. It's more of the, that was kind of the beginning of the blockbuster era. Not the, like, I mean, I know we always had the blockbuster era since jaws, but, uh, I should say the beginning of the the failed start of the comic book era. So okay, you, so you like the Batman? Uh, you had Batman, Batman in, in eighty nine, and then you had uh, Corman Fantastic Four. Well, no, no, that that, that, really... that was more of just trying to get off the Batman, and that's and... actually more of just making a movie so you keep the rights. Um, no, then I'd say you had Darkman in nineteen ninety. Um, 91, I guess you'd say Highlander 2. Like, we needed something. It yeah, had... Highlander wasn't really a superhero movie, though. Highlander... Darkman is kind of like a weird... It's a comic kinda... book. It's a comic book movie. It, it without, is. Without a comic book. Uh, Highlander 2. No, that, that was total magical bullshit. Yeah, but man, do I love me some magical bullshit. <laughs> well, no, I'm not saying I don't own a copy of Highlander 2. Well, of course um, you do. Right, but it's yeah. Um yeah, Darkman's something else I've been wanting to revisit lately. Yeah, well, it's gonna be interesting because Sam Raimi is directing Spider-Man No Way Home. And oh, uh, is he directing that? I didn't know that. I I think he's at least a producer, um which would explain why we're getting all the old original spider-man trilogy back in it uh let me see after the last spider-man i'm gonna watch the new one it's just my expectations are low i'm just keeping my expectations low okay no the uh, director is john watts but sam raimi's got a lot of influence and i and i'm thinking that'll be a good thing um i don't know i'd have to rewatch uh far from home to see if it's just marvel fatigue versus it's not that good a movie but I think Sam Raimi, if he's involved, he's going to make this the third Star- Spider-Man movie that he really wanted to make. So yeah, it definitely sounds interesting. Yeah. So I, I, whenever they start pulling more from the Marvel universe, it just I I'll nerd out on that shit all day long. Well, I'm, I do worry about the success of Shang Chi, but uh, I'm I'm going to see it because it's a marvel movie from marvel studios studios direct not sony um yeah but, they automatically have my money for all of that stuff man i watch but, it all but my uh my issue is that uh shang chi is just not a catchy title sadly well n- nobody gave a shit about shang chi in the comic books no one cares about shang chi 
No one cared about him growing up. I don't know a single person who ever owned a Shang-Chi comic book ever in the history of ever. Right, but I didn't know anybody who owned a Guardians of the Galaxy issue. So I knew Guardians of the Galaxy as a totally different team. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. It's just basically that was something that I think half of the success of Guardians is based on the fact we didn't know what Guardians was, if you're me. Um, yeah. So Shang-Chi, I, I, have, I, I think is going to be good. It's just that the title is just not going to really inspire anybody to go out. I joked around with my dad about that. Like, you know, at least Black Panther, you knew what you were getting. And then my dad said, so you want Yellow Tiger? And it's like, <laughs> no. Um, yeah, the uh, Asian culture hasn't really adapted to the uh, uh, assigning themselves a color yet. A good so, Iron Fist would have been nice. Oh, uh, well, I didn't. I, I mean, Iron Fist, I was kind of forgiving of just because of how much good stuff Marvel gave us. And I'm not somebody who's on the approach, appropriation bandwagon when it came to Iron Fist. It's like, I'm pretty sure it's Danny Rand, regardless. Like, yeah, it it is. It's it's a it's a white it's a white guy taking um taking Chinese culture. I know that, but it it's they saved not... him. The monks saved him. Yes, and raised him. He but, didn't have a choice. I mean, he didn't it... just get out from the plains. Like, I think I'll appropriate Asian culture now. Yeah, but it's still it's still like. So everybody go see Shang-Chi opening weekend because I mean me, I'm a bleeding heart liberal communist. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I I I think we owe it to um owe it to ourselves to see it. No, I hope it'll be I'm sure it'll be great. I mean yeah. I, I love kung fu movies anyway. I'm well sure it'll yeah. Be awesome. But no, my favorite kung fu movie might uh straight up kung fu movie might be uh Man um uh, Master of Tai Chi. So uh, it's Jet Li. I think it was called maybe Fist of Legend. I don't know. Oh, that, or, I think I saw it under the Fist of Legend title. I mean, it's got Michelle Yeoh in it. Yeah. Um, I, the, so it was when it was on Stars and it was Fist of Legends. Let me go and quickly look that up. Uh, all right. And, you know, I will also say. Uh, Keanu Reeves directorial effort, uh, which was uh, a man of Tai Chi, I think it was uh, a really good film. I'd recommend. Now that might be, uh, well, we can blame the Canadians for that one. Uh, I think it might be Matt Tai Chi Master, actually. Possibly. I was a big Bruce Lee fan. I like the old Fist of Fury, Turn of the Dragon. Like yeah. Those old classics, the Sunny Chiba Street Fighters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Tai Chi Master is the name of the movie. And the original name of the movie. Which was fun watching the dub on Stars and Encore just because it had like the anime dubbing cast that I'm used to. What is teacher teacher Fujisawa doing as a oh no he's just a drunk oh it was twin warriors that was what the what it was called in the uh, states okay so uh, Michelle Yeoh but I just love the like 
you know, it made me take Tai Chi seriously for a moment, a brief <laughs> moment. Thanks for ruining that, YouTube. But uh, I don't know, unless you have any other. Uh, well, I guess I do have one other thing, and it's the finale from Bloodsport. Now, as an amateur wrestler who's uh, ended up always ended up wrestling in a mask my my junior and senior year somehow like junior year i got my nose broken uh senior year i nearly got my lip ripped in half by a knee um ouch yeah so i ended up wrestling in a mask and those masks you can't really see anything out you know once the match starts um it's but it's wrestling as long as I can grab a hold of the got it got a body part, I I feel fine. So it comes to the finale of Bloodsport, where Chung Lee, Bolo Young, who also faces off with Van Dam again, I think in double impact, if I'm correct. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, um, throws the classic wrestling salt tablet into the eyes of Van Dam. Like, oh, he's blind. How's he going to do that? And it's like, dude, I just saw, (laughs) one, wrestling. Two, I just watched G.I. Joe the movie with the character Jinx, the unlucky ninja. But if she goes and blinds herself, blindfolds, she's unbeatable. (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, I just don't, I don't know how really, like, I understand (laughs) in a uh, striking match i don't want to be blind but is it really that hard though if i know if i can yeah all you have to do is like wait for him to throw a kick and grab it like they do in buoy tie and i'm just saying don't trust a guy who says they're blind they're they're blind i guess it's the end of that one yeah you kick that stick right out from underneath him <laughs> no no <laughs> so there's two things i will not do i will not fight jake hager and i will not kick a, a walking oh geez that just reminds you me. won't kick a blind man i won't kick a blind man's walking stick <laughs> okay but you'll kick his dog yeah see when it comes to puppy uh punting the only time i ever felt like that was walking just chilling out in the north side of Chicago after Cubs game. I'm at the getaway hostel out by the DePaul University campus. And it's just, I see bowls of dog food and water at every place. And it's like, oh, as a cat person, I just feel offended. But it's like, oh, it's great that they're doing this. Oh, it's great that they're doing this. You know what? Screw these dogs. I don't want. <laughs> I, I want to kick, you know, I want to kick a dog. And it's like, and I brought that up with my, <laughs> form, with my, my, with my former hairdresser. She said, no, Russ, you don't kick the dog. If you're going to kick anybody, you kick the owner. And then it's like, oh, but if you kick, <laughs> if you kick the owner, the dog's going to run off into the street. This is Clark street in Chicago. It's going to get squished. Like everybody feels guilty in the end. No, kick the dog. That will be sometimes you have to, man. Those fuckers get huge. I've seen plenty. Have you ever seen dogs fight two giant ass pit bulls? You gotta kick those fuckers off. Well, the thing with um dog fighting is as somebody like you know, myself who loves a good fight, 
you know, maybe some of these dogs have fighting spirit, like in Bloodsport. You didn't flinch. You have fighting spirit. Like, yes. Some are we going to de- dogs are champions? Yes. Yeah. Why are we depriving them that? <laughs> All right. Now, now. We- no, for, uh, for for the record, I wasn't talking about actual dog fighting. Just when two dogs start fighting, I've you been know. around dogs for a lot of my life. Oh, I yeah. I can, <laughs> Those uh... smackers will fight. They will attack. They will get jealous. Yeah. So. Well, uh, so I don't have any more uh, points to make about Showdown Little Tokyo or Bloodsport. Uh, oh, no, we I'm are sure pu- we could get go- keep going, but I do have to go to bed yeah, at some no, point. We are, we are pushing that 137-minute mark right now. Not Sorry, not 137, one hour, 37-minute mark. So uh, I think it's best to get winding down. As you said, you have your Rob Van Dam podcast. I mean, your Jean-Claude and hopefully Rob Van Dam podcast. Uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be putting out the first episode here in about a week or so. All right, very cool. And uh, if they want to follow you, uh, Greg, on uh, 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 social media, do you? I I know you're on Facebook. Obviously, that's how I found you. Um, uh, Gregory Carl on Facebook. That's probably about the best one. All I got right. a Twitter I don't use. I don't think I even remember the login for it anymore. Uh, are you still doing any stand up or? Uh, not really. I'm kind of locked in with this, do with a different job. And mm. we got one car that tends to overheat. And okay. Yeah. All right. Not really yeah. in a stand up kind of place in my life right now, but no, hopefully bye. soon I'm All taking right. notes and writing. Very, very good. Very good. I, um, I could probably, I don't know how much sway I have with Dan Conklin at Juke, the Jukebox Comedy Club, uh, jukeboxcomedy.com, but, um, I'm always willing to put a good word to you. Me and him relate to each other. Similar uh, dealings with strippers. Uh, I really should have talked to talked to him more in my life. I've been to the jukebox. I used to go a lot for the open mics and whatnot. I always like it. I just, I don't know. I'm shy and I'm always, I'm in my own head when I'm oh, up there. It's, oh no. You're... It's not the greatest way to meet people. You oh know? no, no, no. I'm in, I'm in professional wrestling and I'm not a, I'm not, I, Again, I'm trying to be the what was the quote again? What was my aspiration? The, uh, Zen, Zen warrior, warrior uh, asshole, smacking asshole. Yeah, Zen so, warrior asshole. Zen, Zen warrior, smacking asshole. Basically, I got an argument last night about Bret Hart, and like, oh, Bret Hart was a shit. Like, no, he wasn't. He was Frank Dukes. He's the guy you want to be. You honorable. And I got a response was. uh so you're just in a long way saying that Bret Hart sucks. <laughs> <laughs> all sure. right. So, all right. Well, uh, you can find me as always. Uh, 90 for chill.com is the website. Uh, all my writing is at main event of the dead.com. If you would like to help me out with the production of my Z budget zombie professional wrestling comedy, Main event of the dead, visit main event of the dead.com. Send me an email at rust the bus zero seven at gmail.com. That's R U S S T H E B U S zero seven at gmail.com. Uh, there you can also, you know, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, send me an email or you can uh, follow me on Twitter at cat bus Russ. Send me a DM. 
And uh, all you need is a movie, a theme, an actor, a director. As long as we focus on sub 100 minute movies, we have a show. So uh, thank you again, Greg. Uh, great meeting you for the first time. And uh, I hope, uh, hope, wish you the best with your uh, Van Damme podcast. And you're more than welcome to come back on 90 for Chill, the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to uh, another adult that wasn't hammered for once. Uh, I can't promise you that. <laughs> well, you're more coherent than my co-host. Well, no, no, I, I'm warmed up. Um, but the uh, moonshine doesn't usually kick until the uh, hour 40 mark. So <laughs> right on, buddy. All right. All right well, well, till next time. Till next time. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Can I hear a wahoo?